Hey everyone, welcome to the fourth podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Bostwick, and today's guest is a biodynamic craniosacral therapist and postpartum health specialist, Luca Barba Johnson. And it's Luca is someone that I personally work with, and I am so grateful to have her here with us today to share more about her work and biodynamic craniosacral therapy. Hi. Hi, Nikki. How are you? Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. You're such a busy woman. And I really admire your just not just your work ethic, but just the way that you are in this world because you are have children, you have a partner, you're traveling, you are always pulled in different directions. I personally know moms who you've helped in the postpartum period who are always just speaking so highly of you and I I just can't imagine because the postpartum period is such a delicate intimate period and you go all in and you're the support system that women have and sometimes the only support system and so it's really um it's really awesome to be able to work with you and and have you here today because I just can't imagine how busy you are so thank you <laughs> you're welcome thank you for having me again thank you um I'm I, this is my first time I've ever worked with a craniosacral therapist. So I don't know the difference between biodynamic craniosacral therapy and regular craniosacral therapy. So I'd love if you could share with us what the difference is. Sure. So um, craniosacral therapy is derived from osteopath care. Um, It's kind of like a healing therapy in which the healing of the body and the mind is generated by um, the body's life force. So that's kind of uh, craniosacral therapy in like a little blurb. And bio, um, biodynamic craniosacral therapy um, involves kind of like distinct fluid rhythms throughout the body. Um, so it's kind of more... so. The word alone, biodynamic, right? It's meaning like self-sustaining, self-contained. So uh, in the way of biodynamic is that we kind of tap into the system and we really listen to the fluid and we can kind of see where there's an off balance or, um, you know, kind of, I guess another way would be saying it like um, blockage of energy or restriction, um, a memory, within the muscle. So kind of finding the rebalance of it and um, kind of restoring that and actually more helping it than opposed to healing it. When the body has its own life force or breath of life is what we say. Um, And that it's able to tap into that more fully. So we're helping kind of restore that. Then the body kind of knows what to do and it starts to heal itself per se. Um, I think that's why I resonate so much with biodynamic and I see how much babies really, and then, you know, new moms, how this type of work, um, it just beautifully merges into that postpartum period because it's so vulnerable. It's so raw. It's so open. It's so new. Right. So, um, so with bio, with, um, cranial stick of therapy that is more biomechanical, that is methods that were um, added in with the osteopath physician, Dr. John Upledger. And his is more really kind of focused primarily kind of the relationship of the bones of the skull and the movement of the sacrum and the pelvis bones and the fluid around the brain and the spinal cord. So it's more biomechanical in the sense where they, you know, sense the stagnation or the issue, and they kind of just biomechanically move um, with soft touch in that area. So I I can say for myself um, and how I treat and and work with my clients is truly kind of sensing the body as a whole. Um, And then really kind of, um, yeah, helping it in the sense of where, I mean, I, 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 some of the things that I work through with clients is like my baby clients is, you know, birth trauma. Um, so anything from like a shoulder dystocia 
to, um, so you can kind of understand a physical component as well as there's an emotional component. And um, so I kind of, I work with both. And um, then, you know, like a nuchal cord, you can kind of see too where um, that can cause as well an emotional component. It's, you know, if the, especially if it's really tight, you can understand how that can be emotionally scary. Um, and is that scary? Like when, when there's a tight cord, is that only for the um, scary or traumatizing for the birth? Or is it something that they experienced the entire time they were in the womb? So that's the thing. We don't know. Um, wow. Babies that have it around the neck in the womb for a long time, I see it's, it's more deep-seated, like a fear. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, especially to, if, um, the baby has that and say every single time the baby tried to descend into the pelvis or, you know, was pushed and coming out and the cord tightened, right. You can kind of understand too, just putting yourself in that situation and being like, wow, that, that could be really scary. All of a sudden you're having this, you know, tight tightness around the neck and you can't breathe. Um, and then you have to think about the physical aspect, right? So that's shifting around the hyoid, that's shifting around the, the muscles of the neck and the sternum and um, the jaw, the TMJ. So again, you can kind of see how if there is that component at birth, we're it, most likely we can see then an um, incident in having breastfeeding issues, right? So, um, so again, so that's when I come and kind of see, see if there's anything else. And, and my huge importance is again, seeing the body as a whole. So I specialize in quite a few things in the postpartum that can arise in the postpartum period. So I'm not looking at the baby or the situation with one narrow lens. Mm -hmm. I'm coming in and sensing the body and then expanding my peripheral and kind of seeing, okay, what you know, because there is, there's so much, as I just said, there's an emotional component, there's a physical component um, and everything else in between. So. Yeah. I mean, you're working with, so would you say the difference is like a regular, um, a reg, not a biodyn- biodynamic craniosacral therapist, someone who isn't, but does practice sacral therapy, are they still working with like ancestral trauma and stuff like that? Or is it mainly just the physical component or okay this is what's going on in there oh this is what's going on in there fine yeah that's hard to say um again I feel that majority that do biomechanical um yes I mean I'm sure there is some out there that um do as well emotional components with it um so so yeah, it's it's hard to say because my work has literally been so organic in the making. Um, mm-hmm. I never uh, looked into this and sat down and had like a business plan like, okay, yeah. I'm going to be a biodynamic cranial psychotherapist and I'm going to work in the postpartum period, <laughs> you know, specialize in tongue tie and I'm going to, um, you know, work on uh, new moms. That, you know what I mean? I literally... Um, this is a calling. This is my yeah. absolute calling in this lifetime. Um, I'm so grateful and feel very blessed to do the work that I do. Um, and I have to give credit that it's not just of me. It's it's ancestral work too. I feel my ancestors working through me a lot, all the time, guiding me. Um, so, so yes, I have a lot of um, the education um, through, you know, all my, all my different teachers and all my different mentors, but there is this aspect with my work that is definitely, um, it's mystical. It's very mystical and it comes, I, it literally, um, my answers that are working through my hands. And I can attest to that. So I think, um, sharing my experience, especially what I'm currently going through is just pretty wild. Um, and I mean, there's so many things that I want to talk about because I think that there's so many things that people go through that they don't even um, think about doing this type of work. But I would say like the difference that I've found with biodynamic craniosacral therapy and, um, in regards to like other 
preventative practices that I absolutely love and still love, like acupuncture and chiropractic work, is that, at least in my experience, like when I go to an acupuncturist, um, who I love and I continue to go to, but my um, my experience is that I go on the table and I'm worked on, but then you know, you're left with maybe you brought your phone on the table and you're totally checking out or, um, or you're just like laying there. And if you can't get to a place where you're like basically going to pass out, which is what happens to me, that's how I let go. I just like pass out until they wake me up is, um, the other thing is just like laying on the table and wondering when they're going to come find you again or come, you know, visit you again. And you're, you get anxious, you get anxious Mm -hmm. if you're left on the table too long and no one's attending to you. So it's like this really interesting process of like going somewhere, wanting to unwind, but then finding yourself either checking out or being anxious or whatever it is. Um, and then like with chiropractic work, again, it's just kind of, it's just different. You're getting like physically adjusted and like worked on in a completely different way than biodynamic cranial sacral therapy where like with working with you it's such an intimate experience where you can't ignore what comes up for you I think that's like the best way to put it it's like this is coming up you as the person working on me feels it I feel it we need to address it we need to talk about it but it's also done in such a soft and loving way and like you feel like you're held and you can finally um, you know, process whatever it is that's coming up for you. So I think it's a really cool, um, a cool way to just like tap in, um, be more intuitive with yourself, with your body and have someone support you through the process. So it's been a really, um, wonderful experience again, working with you. And I think it's really interesting because it started with working on my son. And I think it's cool because sometimes you told me like, sometimes you work on babies and it's just like a physical thing for them, right? Like maybe it's their head is flat or whatever's coming up and you're just kind of helping shape the head and there are other elements, but sometimes it's okay. I need to work on the mom because this child is picking up what it, obviously the mom and the child are totally interconnected. And so there's the, that's where that work comes in. And um, so that's kind of, I guess how you and I started working together after um, you helping me with truth and continuing to helping me with my son. But I think it's interesting because um, I recently started telling Luca that I'm interested in, um, you know, my husband are interested in starting to try for our second child. And, um, and it's so interesting because, well, I want to kind of get into the, I really appreciate your, the way that you kind of handle things, like absolutely no judgment, you know, with things like for me, I, I feel like I kind of got the birth that I wanted, but then I, I didn't want an epidural, not that if someone wants an epidural, that's what they want, or that's what, you know, they ended up doing. But for me, I really didn't want one. And I ended up getting one. And I was grateful at the time I was like, please give me more. Um, but it's interesting working with you and noticing how that has affected me postpartum and how like I totally get the shakes and it's something that I had experienced before, not just from the epidural. Um, and I want to talk to you about that. Maybe you can speak to it a little bit more about like my process, but I think it's really interesting because it was something that we couldn't ignore at all. Yeah. Like I was talking to you and shaking. Yeah. Yeah. So the body again is really beautiful in the sense of that it, well, it retains things and then it shows us, right. What it's ready to heal. Um, again, real quick in biodynamic, that's one thing that I really love too, is when I sense into the body, the body lets me know at that time, at that session, what it's ready to work on. So what does it have the resources to move through? Right. Um, so when we were in session, um, all of a sudden, again, it's almost like a therapy session, but like yeah. at the same time, it's like, we're sitting having tea, you know, yeah. and so I'm sensing into your body and all of a sudden you started having conversation and you're, you know, I could start to tell that your um, heart rate started going up a little bit and then you started getting the shakes. 
started off really low where I could feel it within the body and then it started kind of really showing itself. So then we kind of talked in regards to that, like when and how long have you had that, you know? And then um, you said it was just real subtle here and there. And then we talked about the birth and the epidural and how from that moment of the epidural, it's just been really a lot more intense, right? So um, what I learned in my um, classes, um, surprisingly enough, in the sense of being able to bridge this, is that um, that we actually hold memory of the epidural, of the, of the drug, right, into our body. So um, a lot of times, too, you'll see uh, or hear, you know, women getting that, that shake. And so for even more, so for yourself, it's going to bring back a memory, right, a body memory. Mm-hmm. So as soon as that nervous system starts to get really kind of heightened, your body then goes to that shake response. And it seems to be about very specific things with you. Yeah. So um, that we decided that it was like lack of control, right? And right. so the birth process is a whole yep. lack of control. <laughs> yeah. So we really did pinpoint that that was kind of the, the deep seed of like causing the shakes. So then when we were able to tap into that and kind of like just hold that for what it is, right, then I was able to kind of sense in the body and say, oh, wow, okay, so the epidural is still within the system. We hold it within the brain, um, and um, it's really good to process that and move it through. I can actually, like, we could work together in cycling it out. Um, and, um, I actually myself experienced this. I had, uh, one of my last sessions with my teachers, they, it was a birthing process uh, of my own birth and I could feel the epidural through my legs, uh, predominantly. And it felt like almost that I was paralyzed, um, which is really interesting because after my second child, I did become paralyzed for a couple months. So, yeah. So then, um, so yeah, so just processing that, the birth trauma or the birth symptoms or memories in the body can then help heal that. And we can also as well see what's happening with the nervous system. And then being able to work with the body again, work with it getting to the balanced rhythm so then your body itself can heal yeah yeah i um i didn't know that you were paralyzed after your second birth your second child that's so crazy and that makes sense i mean when you had explained to me that when you process it you're literally going through like exactly what happened so you can feel it because that that makes sense, right? Like your brain doesn't know the difference between what's like really happening and what's not. This episode is brought to you by Underbears. Underbears believes in creating a comfier, kinder world with undergarments that organically move with you, not against you. That means no more painful wires, uncomfortable hooks, fussy strap adjusters, artificial lining, sweaty padding, or wetsuit-like smoothing. Whenever possible, they work with recycled materials and 100% GOTS certified organic cotton. Check out Underbears online at underbears.com and first time fullest buyers can enjoy 10% off with promo code THEFULLEST. That's underbears.com with promo code THEFULLEST. It was actually like, it was a, it was a full blown memory. Oh my um, God. Yeah. So I could, I even did the movements, how I was in utero and then coming through the pelvis. Um, it was when you were in your mother's womb or it was yeah. So when I was in my mother's room, I was able to actually, um, have full memory of this on during a session. Um, and, um, I could feel, uh, one of the very first, uh, sessions in regards to my birthing process, um, was really distinctly remer- remembering, um, being born, being swooped up into the air. And I didn't like that feeling. It was very, um, unner- you know, like unnerving to me to be like really swooped up quickly into the air. 
And then they cut my umbilical cord really quickly. And I remember crying because it was just, it was very shocking in the sense, like it was almost painful too. And then I just remember too, like taking a deep breath, kind of like loss of breath, which makes sense because of the oxygen that's getting pulled through the um, cord. But I, I'm, I mean, like, I'm totally remember this sobbing. <laughs> wow. So um, healing that and, and recognizing that is huge because a lot of times, so I'm also a pre and perinatal birth psychology student um, who is um, uh, soon to be an educator. Um, and so this is all the stuff we discuss and we go through. So this is also things that I pull into my sessions um, is healing that birth trauma and how much our bodies do retain, um, in utero, labor, delivery, you know, all of it together, um, and how that actually patterns out into our life. So an example is, you know, so somebody that's a C-section baby, right? Um, a lot of times that we'll see as a, as a pattern that is recognized with babies that are C-section babies is, um, they've got to do things in their life, like in their time, you know, yeah. like they have to do it their way in their time. <laughs> and, um, I believe it's because they weren't able to do that in the birthing process. Right. So there's, there's studies on this and, um, and I think it's amazing that, so we, we retain that, hold it as a memory, and then we bring it forth and as patterns throughout our whole life. So it's, think about, you know, being able to then process that right after birth. Yeah. You know, so I'm holding babies, processing stuff where, yeah, I, you know, um, having a baby that, yeah, had a cord around its neck and it's, you know, constantly feeling like a struggle for breath. You know, um, my, my oldest had a shoulder dystocia and she was, had to be induced, naturally induced, but she was not ready to come out. And, um, so many, you know, shoulder dystocia, um, she had to, um, she was, you know, struggling to breathe. And, uh, so I see that apprehension in her, she's almost 15 in the sense where transitions are so hard for her. Um, transitions are so hard for her because again, she wasn't, she right. was coached all of those times. That was not yeah. her. Right. And that was me going, or the influences of fear going, okay, you're at 42 weeks. If you're going to continue to have a natural birth, you need to have this baby out. So then here comes the domino effect of me. Yeah. Clearly, you know, here saying it straight, pushing her out and having her do things that she's not ready to do. Yeah. And so you really see that now, even, you know, I saw that at two in her, you know, this, I, I can totally yeah, I think I can even see that in mice. And I was induced, not with Pitocin, but with like a pill that they gave me. They're like, oh, this is, even when I took it, I was like, I shouldn't have taken this pill because literally all I could think about, it, do you know what it is? I don't even know the name for it, but they freaking gave me an abortion pill. That's how I induced myself. Oh, wow. it's so sad if you I didn't, they yeah. didn't tell me it's an abortion pill but then like somehow it came up oh like when the, you want to get an abortion I'm like wait a minute but I don't want that energy in my birth like right. yeah. it's so sad and it's just medical intervention I mean obviously I'm so grateful that it's there for when you need it or you know but I think that the more conscious we can be when we have our child. And I, I would say that I felt very conscious when I was having my child. I knew that I wanted certain things. And, and I think that you get to a place where fear kicks in. So I had a doula who I absolutely loved, but she like a couple weeks before my birth told me a story about a do she was a doula for another doula. And that, that, woman who was giving birth, I guess she didn't realize her water had broken. And so, um, because she didn't realize and it had gone on for like 30 hours, she had to get a C-section. And so I was like hypersensitive to that. And for me, my water broke, but my, um, my contractions hadn't started for another, like basically they, they hadn't started 
Um, like my water broke at 12 o'clock and by 6 p.m. it still hadn't started. So my doctor immediately was like, hey, I know you want a natural birth. Like, I, and I want this to happen. So like, it's up to you, but you should just come to the hospital. And it just kind of started this domino effect. Like I didn't have an epidural for another two days because my birth lasted so long. But like, I, and I, because I was induced, like it was more difficult for me to have a natural birth, you know, and I was induced with a right. abortion pill that I see now, like my son doesn't like when I tell him, like, if it's not on his time, it's like, you know, it's very complicated. It gets complicated or, yeah. Yeah. but I, I mean, these are obviously, it's not that big of a deal, right? We're not talking, but it is like, these are things that are so subtle. And, and like you said, I think the point of this conversation is what if we start to, what if, you know, we had done craniosacral therapy with your daughter when she was two, right? That's kind of your point. Or like you see these patterns so early on, like, again, there's so many different traumatizing events that happen after my birth that you know about and um, people listening to this have heard about, but like, basically, you know, I could tell as early as two weeks old that my son will not and completely refuses to get in a car seat because of something that happened to him right after. And when you see these patterns, you can't ignore it. And to know that there's something that you can do to help them process it is just really amazing. Because then it, you find hope. It's like finding hope that, oh my God, there is a there is something we can do about climate change and it's called taking care of our soil. So there is something that we can do about trauma because we're not going to be able to say we can't have trauma I'm terrified of like any experience because I think that's kind of what happens is we start to be afraid of experiencing life and like even as parents like going down the street you don't know what you're going to find like my son and I were driving and he watched a full-blown motorcycle accident happen before his eyes and like for me I was like well I'm glad now he's scared of motorcycles (laughs) but like obviously you're like you can't ignore these things that are going to happen in day-to-day life and that you're going to see. So like, what can we do and what tools do we have to process this? Because in nature, they, you know, animals naturally process things by shaking or by whatever Mm -hmm. it is. So Mm -hmm. it's really cool that, but I, I think is the most amazing part about craniosacral therapy is how gentle it is. Right. Like it's it's super gentle. People don't even, like, I think it's so important to point out these experiences of how you can easily process the pain and the trauma with this gentle, gentle therapy, you know? Yeah. yeah and I think that's why too, it resonates so much with um, the postpartum period, right? Again, cause it's just such a, it's just a, you know, a moment where, it's so open. It's so raw. It's so vulnerable. And the thing that we need the most in that time is gentleness, right? And space and just support and understanding. When you were talking just now, I was thinking this in the manner of um, um, craniosychotherapy in the postpartum period, working through, um, let's say, birth trauma um, of any sort, And opposed to kind of looking at it as like, okay, we need to get therapy going now, you know, you know, in, in more of a riled kind of, uh, emotion in a sense of how I really see it and, and, um, look at it is imagine being born and somebody there being able to just hold you and see your journey, uh, witness it just for what it is, be seen for what you just went through, right? And then be able to hold the body in a way to work with healing um, itself together. So for me, I kind of go, gosh, I can't imagine, like, imagine getting that, like, right out of, you know, out of the womb. I mean, I feel like I speak, I could speak to a lot of adults right now is like how much that means to us to just be seen, just be heard, right? Just be held. And so, yes, we get that, you know, in um, our parents' best ability to do that. But again, in the postpartum period, 
um, being able to really come in as like a, a separate um, kind of unit and be able to go, okay, you know, let's recognize that the baby's journey is going to be completely different than the mom's journey, right? Um, again, having birthed two babies and saying that just recently with my clients going, oh my gosh, I totally did not even think of that when I'm in, you know, you don't think of a lot of things when you're in the postpartum. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so that's, that's kind of what I sense and what I can say in regards to cranial psychotherapy um, done in the postpartum period um, and how much to brings healing, not only to baby, but to mom, just kind of like what you were saying before, you know, babies have to co-regulate with the ner- with the mom's nervous system. So if mom is, you know, having a really difficult time, um, then it's, it's focusing on mom and then we can then see how baby's doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, I think it's really cool because now that we've kind of worked together postpartum, we're starting to talk about the next baby and what we can do now to process. And I mean, there's so much and um, it's really interesting because I think like I've been on the fence and I've been like, okay, let's start trying, but I don't know, but maybe I do, but it's just like back and forth. And I was actually joking with my friend because she is kind of seeing this guy. And I was like, your relationship with this guy is like me and my future baby, because it's like, are you going to, ha- are you going to have a relationship or not? Like, and for me, I'm like, am I going to have this baby or not? Because clearly I'm not like a hundred percent in, but basically um, I thought it was interesting because then our last session, it just kind of, it was right after my husband and I were like, okay, let's try. Um, and then we, you and I had our session. Okay. And I think mm-hmm. because, um, well, basically I just talked to you about it right before this recording. So it's funny that it's kind of all coming together now, but so then you had said to me like, okay, we need to process like what happened and like, we need to be grateful. Like, I, I think what really, yeah. Me, yeah. With, was with my womb. And like, say, thank you for what it went through. And like all, and I, I mean, I, I feel like I love and appreciate my body. And I, I would say that I, I mean, the miracle of giving birth, like was just, you know, I couldn't believe it. Right. You just like, you can't believe it. You can't ignore it. Like you're going through it. You're just like so amazed, but there's a difference between like being grateful and being amazed and like really like tuning in and being like, wow like yeah super grateful and seeing seeing the potency that we carry right um again I didn't know any of that with my my girls like I remember the first time tapping into my womb I was like three years postpartum of my second and I was like that I just didn't even think about this like I didn't even you know consider what my womb just went through carried and, and, you know, beautifully the gift it gave me, you know, and, and just going, wow. Okay. So I need to definitely, so spend more time with my womb. And, um, that is, that is our, our potency, um, Mecca as a woman. Yeah. So would you say that these are things that someone who's pregnant can work on processing or, like, how does that affect the baby if they're already pregnant and they're trying to process? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming. You can still process. Yeah, for sure. If you're pregnant. Um, I, I don't think again, what I, why I love so much biodynamic is, you know, we would have that intention going into the session, but if the body doesn't feel that it has the resources to, you know, go head on or go into, um, a process maybe in that session, we might go on something that's like below it or, you know, wherever, wherever it's needing that it needs the next healing, right. To then we'll eventually get there. Um, so, but yeah, it's never too late to process. Like I'm still 
you know, nine years postpartum and I'm still processing and I can finally say that I'm in an area where I'm like, wow, okay, I can actually talk about it. I'm not breaking down. Okay. I can feel, I used to get the shakes too. Um, I would, when I would talk about the second, my second birth, um, and it's the third ventricle. That's what it is. <laughs> that's where the oh. that's where it gets stored. Okay, wait, let's go back to the third ventricle really quick. Okay, so is the third ventricle similar to like your pineal gland? Or what's the difference? It's close to it. It's definitely close to it and it surrounds it. So um and that's actually in the fourth ventricle is really where the cerebral spinal fluid gets created and pumped. So that's as a cranial psychotherapist, that is our like liquid gold. That's what we really palpate into the body and sense and feel. How's it going? You know, um, how is it bathing the brain, you know, and going down to the dorsal tube and stuff like that, that gives us a sense of vitality and, you know, movement of energy in the body. Okay. Yeah. I think just talking about how, I mean, it's amazing what craniosacral therapy can work on because like physical things like my son, he has, you know, some sort of um, something going on with his hip or his foot. That's totally, we decided and we realize is something neurological that's definitely connected with his brain um, because of, you know, the indentation he has. So something as physical as that to something like I, so Ever since I gave birth to my son, my period has been every 28 days, literally from week 12 of me being uh, postpartum. So I got my period at week 12, at three months postpartum, up until this month, it's been every 28 days. And I had a session with Luca um, last Wednesday, and... I emailed her and I was like, Luca, <laughs> and like, I was thinking what's going on. Am I pregnant? But I'm not pregnant because um, I, I, now it's apparent. I started my cycle earlier and that's a direct result of the work that we've done together. And that's so crazy how something as simple as like, and just energetic healing through your hands, through working together can shift something as, you know, that's been going on for like, how old is he now? Two and a half years, something so consistent in my life. Um, and I, I just think, you know, it's important to share how powerful this work can be because it really, our last session, it really hit me like things that I, I need to work on things that I, not that I need to, not in a bad way, but things that I want to, that are showing up for me, that are, my body is telling me I'm ready to work on. And just how beautiful that is to really um, allow to unfold, I think, is really the words that yeah. I'm looking for. Yeah, it just kind of, uh, in our session, it kind of just evolved naturally. And it was really profound and beautiful. And I, that's what I love about, you know, my my work and my sessions with my clients is that, again, just kind of holding and sensing into the body all of a sudden we started talking about, you know, you possibly wanting to try. And then we, and then I started getting a sense before that where I'm like, we need to do some womb work with you and processing, you know, truce birth and, um, you know, sending gratitude to the womb and then doing just real, real conscious conception. Um, and just, um, saying, I remember saying together, saying, how beautiful would it be if we cleared the space, right? And then we just like created this space where if and when this baby comes, it is completely, almost think of it as like, you know, as a, a welcoming, you know, uh, what I want to say. Ceremony. Uh, <laughs> Just imagine like going, wow, I was so welcomed and like, you know, like created, this space was created for me and feeling that. So that was kind of uh, what we had intentioned and what we hold for our sessions moving forward. And in this space, even though if say, you know, you don't end up having a second, this work will still be so um 
healing, not only for you, but, you know, for you and your husband and you and truth. And um, so, yeah, so, and then it's an added bonus. And if baby comes, then it's like the space is totally ready for her or him. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and, um, and there's no better way, right, to start just then to feeling completely welcomed yeah. and waited for. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, I, I still look forward to doing this work with you. I know. I'm excited. So what are some things that you would recommend moms who can't work with you? So Luca is in the Orange County, Los Angeles area. So Southern California. Um, I mean, now with like telemedicine, I don't know with people on zoom, I don't know, but what, is, what do you recommend I would say for sure moms who are postpartum, right? Like who maybe can't have someone like you um, supporting them. Like what are some things I know that you do yoni, steaming, what other things? So um, for myself, I offer a full spectrum postpartum care, um, meaning that I come into the home and anything that usually arises in the postpartum period, um, I want I wanted to be able to, with different techniques and different tools, handle, right? So that I'm not sending you out to several different practitioners. Um, I f- find that it's very important. And again, it's something that I hugely support um, is uh, staying home for the new mom for at least 40 days. And I understand and appreciate the value of somebody coming to your home being, again, injured in my, um, after my second birth. So the things that I do and um, would recommend is, um, so I come in and I can do cranial sacral therapy on mom or baby. If there's some um, breastfeeding issues, um, I'm also a certified lactation educator counselor. And so any breastfeeding issues that arise, um, I'm able to help tackle. Um, but again, that's why I love doing the cranial work because sometimes, um, uh, lactation educator, counselor, or, um, consultant can only go so far and then they have to, you know, if it's body work and stuff like that, they have to then source out. So, um, I kind of went at it backwards. I was a in school to become a cranial psychotherapist. And then I read somewhere that uh, it hugely benefits and works really well with uh, breastfeeding issues. And I'm a huge advocate for breastfeeding and extended breastfeeding. So I just was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> yes, I totally, I totally want to do this. Sign me up. Um, and then um, I also as well do belly binding. Um, I learned traditional be- belly binding. Um, and from Tema uh, Mercado, and uh, she's a traditional Mexican midwife. And um, I also do visceral work as well. So when I do the belly binding, I guess what's different that I do that I incorporated of myself is I also am um, trained in biodynamic visceral work, um, meaning that, you know, working with the organs. So for me, I remember I actually learned how to do belly binding. Um, one of the first things beginning in my practice and, um, I felt inadequate and just also too, I didn't feel comfortable with, um, doing a belly bind, not knowing about the abdomen and the organs and especially the the womb. Right. I didn't want to bind mom just to bind a mom. Um, I learned like Bing Kong. I learned all these different different types. So once I started really educating myself with anatomy and cranial psychotherapy and doing the visceral work, I was like, oh, wow, I want to be able to check in with all the organs, you know, after birth, I want to be able to um, see if the womb is centered, um, where is it at in the process of um, shrinking, right? Is it, is it where it should be? Um, also then to checking, uh, anything else, muscles, ligaments, um, and then doing the bind. So, um, just like last week, I had a client who, um, I believe she was six weeks postpartum 
and she hired me for a belly bind and a yoni steam. And when I got there, she had told me that in the last week or so, she started all of a sudden having like hugely debilitating pain in her knee where she had to like elevate her knee at night and put an ice it and, you know, take Tylenol. And she usually never takes stuff like that. And I worked on her C-section scar and, um, it was clearly there was a pool and, um, uh, we did some visceral work, did some cranial psychotherapy as well as some scar remediation. And I talked to her the next day and followed up with her and she said, the pain is completely gone. So a lot of times we forget how much scar tissue too, um, has a huge yeah. play, especially if you have a C-section. Um, so I, yeah, so I do that as well. Um, and then some other things. So I'm also an innate postpartum care provider, um, teaching by Rochelle Garcia. And, um, so I'm like trying to think, I mean, it's a whole gamut of things, but, oh, and then I'm also specialized in tongue tie, um, evaluation and as well. So I were, I trained under Dr. Allison Hazelbaker. She's also a cranial psychotherapist who, um, uh, does, uh, biomechanical as well as biodynamic. She's a lactation consultant. Um, so she has a practice in Ohio and, um, she is the one who created wow. the tongue tie assessment that is, yeah, the tongue tie assessment testing that's used in hospitals for baby six months and under. Um, and she started to really see in her practice all of a sudden this huge rise, this huge flux, right. Of, um, tongue tie, lip tie and buccal and buckle ties. Right. So what is it linked to? So she really started seeing, and this is what I started seeing in my practice too. I started seeing a lot of babies coming after revisions and the parents saying, okay, what there was an issue with, it's still here. It may have shifted a tiny bit or not at all. Um, or, you know, like 40%, but there is a huge, that underlying yeah. issue is still present. So again, I've had to constantly go, okay, so clearly we've missed the mark, right? Clearly we're not going to the underlying issue. Um, and the more I delved into this, I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> so we have to think about um, why and how this is all of a sudden, right? So in a sense, we've got to kind of see several things that are at play here. So our birthing right, is, has shifted, has changed um, in the sense of like how medicalized it is. Um, also to the, the shape of our pelvis. We don't move as much, you know, as our ancestors did. Um, so it's all the stuff that was like leading, leading, leading up to this point. Um, also too, I've noticed alone, this has been huge for me. And this is why I delve deep in my first initial visits is in utero, labor, and, and delivery and birthing, okay? When I'm able to get that information and go deep with mom in that process of each one, I can really start to see where that underlining issue is. So if there's a baby that's been transverse in utero, or if there's a baby that's been breached um, the whole pregnancy, or if there's a baby that... Um, had a nuchal cord at birth or a nuchal hand or a nuchal arm, um, you know, how that is going to show these physical components are going to show in the breastfeeding, right? In the breastfeeding, um, because the suck, swallow, breathe has to be, it's such a beautiful orchestrated, so on point maneuver that has to happen. And it doesn't, it starts to get in sync at 36 weeks and at 38 is when the sex swallow breathe can have that time to really um, cinch up and work beautifully together. So again, you can see too, yeah. if the baby was premature, right? Didn't have all that time to get that dialed in. Again, we're going to see it in breastfeeding. So um, once I started really seeing that and working with the body, say with a nuchal cord, okay. And working with the hyoid and working with the jaw and the TMJ and, you know, and, and, um, certain muscles in the cheeks and stuff like that. Then we started to see shifts. Then we started to see, 
oh, wow, okay, my baby couldn't do this at the breast or was doing this. And now, okay, now that's totally shifted, um, you know, saying after a revision. And that's with like a um, you kind of going in and working the mouth, not a full like revision in terms of like a laser cut. Right. Sorry. So, so let me, let me back up a little bit. So a lot of these things are mimicking tongue yeah. tie and lip tie. So a lot of these things, these birth um, components in utero, right? So when baby's in utero and say mom has scoliosis, the utero, the uterus is going to have to shift and shape to the, to the spine. And so the baby's going to be in a very particular and specific um, way in the, in, in the uterus, that's going to then also too, when the baby's developing, you're going to see it a, in a structural way. Right. So a lot of these, a lot of these things are mimicking. So when I come and I do my full blown testing, so I don't, how I assess is again, um, via learning from Dr. Allison Hazelbaker. So it's very thorough. Um, and after I assess that, and see that the baby does not in fact have a tongue tie, then we go into the full history, right? So we go in the history of in utero labor and delivery. And that's truly, usually I can, you know, that highlighter comes out that, you know, that bulb goes bing when they say, oh yeah. And then, you know, this is what happened or this is what happened. Um, this is how she was in utero or, you know, this is what happened at birth. Um, these little things then I sense into the body and I can feel where there's that uh, memory or stagnation or blockage or, you know, um, nerve damage. Because again, it takes six cranial nerves fully functioning out of the 13 to do the sex swallow wow. brain. Um, so you can, you can really see how disturbed nerve, nerve passageways can so easily happen. What about... Um, you, you know, you talked about breastfeeding and extended breastfeeding. I'm curious, like, what do you recommend? I mean, I know there's moms that do it so differently. Um, some moms nurse until their kids are like five or and self-weaning and whatever. I'm just curious, like, what you come across in terms of the research and, like, what's really um, beneficial. So I always feel this is kind of like across the board with a lot of parenting things, right? Or parenting topics that come up. I always feel that um, it's going to be so independent on the family and on the mom. This is what's told to me. And I remember this and this, I carry on and I tell my clients, this was told to me by uh, a Leche League mentor. Um, so breastfeeding is a relationship. Okay. And so both have to be on board. So yes, there's going to be moments of like, I don't know if I can do this anymore and I'm, I'm about to quit and I'm done. And then next day you're like, Oh my God, I love it. I just love it. I love it so much. Okay. So that's like a relationship. <laughs> okay. But once it starts feeling really out of balance, right? So I can, again, only speak for myself. I nursed my youngest till she was three and there was a point where I was done. I, I sat with it for a while and I was really just done. And it started psychologically where she would come to the breast and as soon as she got on, I would go, I would have immense pain. And so it was so clear to me that it, I was done and that this no longer was a healthy relationship. So then we slowly, you know, we just did it in a manner that was like, she still got, you know, if she wanted to nurse, she got extra hugs and stuff like that. But again, um, I feel like what we were talking about before, just intuitively what feels right for you and your body and your family um, and going about it that way. Cause I think everyone's going to be different where somebody can hear, Oh God, nursing tall three, but you know what? I want to do disclaimer. Cause I was one of those before my first, I was like, Oh, there is no way I'm going to breastfeed uh, a child that yeah, can tell me they exactly, want the boob, yeah. <laughs> you know? I was in my twenties and I was like, Oh no, 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 no. And, um, and then all of a sudden I had my first and it was literally like, 
I nursed her till she was two. She was oh. the one who told me that it was done. And I was here. Oh my God. <laughs> I remember the day that she broke it off, broke it off That's with hilarious. my breast. <laughs> yeah. And, um, um, and then I started, um, with her actually with my first, I started, uh, the first kind of mom's meetup breastfeeding group, um, in Orange County. I really like that perspective because like you said, there's so much judgment with breastfeeding and, um, and there's just so many emotions around it. Right. Like for me, I am still nursing my son and, um, I, uh, you know, I'm someone who really believes in extended breastfeeding, but I also understand why it's like a very difficult. Like at this point, I just want to make sure that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm totally on board with it still. And my son definitely is, he's nowhere near done, but I, but I know that there are people that get triggered that I'm still nursing him. And it's crazy because it's none of their business, you know, or like, um, but I also, my sister is pregnant and she, um, is just like really hoping I'll have to introduce you guys. I mean, you've met her, but but basically like she really wants to nurse and breastfeed and that's like her thing is we just put so much pressure on ourselves because I, I really believe in the benefits of breastfeeding obviously. And and for her, she's had um, two breast like surgery, augmentation surgeries, and she's not sure if she'll be able to do that. And they haven't, they've gone like awry and they haven't actually worked out. So for her, she's just like really nervous and putting so much pressure on herself. Like I, I really hope that I will be able to. And, and it's just such an, um, you know, a delicate topic that I, I hope that every mom just knows, like, just do your best. And, and if you can, that's great. And if you can't, there are other options. And, and I think the moral of the story is like, if that's really what you know, is, you know, we say breast is best. And we know that there are other amazing options and like, then look for those. And I think that that's kind of the thing, like, don't stop at, okay, I can't, I'm just going to go to the store and get whatever they have for formula. Like Weston A. Price has a great formula that they, I think you have to make for yourself. So if you can't do that, I know that you, um, there are just so many other ones, right? Like, yeah, there is so many options. And speaking on that, um, my, I guess, advice would be for somebody that it's totally going in like gung ho, like they want to breastfeed. They know that with all their heart, but they have some possible implications, you know? Um, so when, and this is speaking even for people that don't. Okay. So I believe that it will make a huge difference. And I see it if in pregnancy, taking a, um, a breastfeeding course, a class, Right. So I do a three hour breastfeeding class. Um, and I literally see a huge difference when I go into those families' homes after the baby's born. And I know that they have that knowledge with them. I'm now not trying to do a three hour yeah. course in 15 minutes when I know when I know none of that is yeah. totally penetrating. Right. Um, so to be honest, I think it's one of, if not the most important course to take in pregnancy. Um, secondly, I would highly suggest knowing who and getting that lined up, um, having someone, uh, you know, a lactation consultant, um, a craniosacral therapist that, you know, bridges both um, at the, after the birth and having that locked in for postpartum. Um, that way too, if things do arise, then you're not going to like fumbling and going, Oh my gosh, you know, now I don't, you know, I, I, that's, I, I have contracts with moms that know that already know like, okay, they want me there between day three and five. The reason is between day three and five is when the milk volume increases. When, if we're going to see any issues at the breast, that's when we're going to see it because all of a sudden now they're taking in so much more volume of milk. And so their sex swallow breathe has to be so on point than mm -hmm. day one to three. So knowing too, that you have that support, um, if, if stuff does arise, I think is also too relieving that 
possible anxiety, you know, postpartum's already anxious. But if you're lining these up before, I think that is a huge, huge service to yourself and to breastfeeding, um, opposed to just kind of crossing fingers and hoping things are going to go okay. Because um, I even did that with my first. Um, I was actually really upset that my midwife made me go to a breastfeeding league meeting <laughs> before I had her. Cause I was like, I don't get it. We just sit around and we talk about breastfeeding. Like it's, you just put the baby to the breast. Like how oh, yeah. difficult is it? You know? And then I had her and I had engorgement and then I had questions on breastfeeding. Like I just was, had no idea, but I mm-hmm. knew now where to turn. And so that literally that, yeah, just having your resources, knowing things in advance with breastfeeding, um, you're going to go into it so much, so much better and so much more confident. Um, so when things do arise, if they do arise, you know where to turn. Yeah, I love that. I think I had the same thought when I was in my class and it, my husband came with me to the class and it was just like really funny um, looking back. But I think for me, like, and I gave birth in the hospital for truth and, um, and it was just funny being just totally being okay with obviously at that point, everyone's seen everything, but just like someone shoving your boob into the baby and just like, at first I was like wondering why, but really you just like really need to get a good latch and, and being comfortable with all of it. Yeah. But yeah. I, I just love, you know, chatting with you and learning about all these different things. Cause I think the little things that come up are, are conversations that need to be had and need to be normalized and shared so that people can make their own opinions on things, but, and what works for them. But thank you so much for hopping on and sharing with us today. And, and I just really appreciate you so much. Thank you so much, Nikki, for having me. Mm -hmm.